Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to our uh, our um, legal holiday learning program, Poshach learning program. This is a, uh, what's today? November, I'll tell you one second. 23rd? Oh, right, Taco, yes. Because yesterday was one of my kids' birthdays. And I got I have two kids who have birthdays in November, the 15th and 22nd. And I got mixed up for a second. I said, no, yesterday was a, was, was a birthday, so it must have been the 15th. Today so has to be the 16th. But... I just remember we have another birthday in November also. I know yesterday was a Reba birthday one of my kids. What? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yiddish birthday was two days ago. So we had a daughter that was born right before Thanksgiving. We were going to name her Hodaya. But uh, we decided not to. We decided not to. Anyway. So, um, okay, so what we're going to discuss this morning is a, is a, a difficult topic, a very difficult topic to Kleisel to have to deal with. Uh, right now, it seems to be a very timely one, and that's the, the topic of, of prisoner exchange in Halacha, what that looks like, what the parameters are, when it's permitted, when it's not permitted, how it's permitted, and um, how it wouldn't be permitted. Um, I'm going to preface this with a disclaimer, let me be very careful to say, we're exploring this, Rabbi says, halacha v'loylamaisa. This is a very big topic, a very broad topic, a very deep topic. Uh, different opinions, different directions over here. And we're, we're not going to be necessarily trying to come out with a conclusive sak halacha, what should be done, what should be done, how it should be done, how it shouldn't be done. And I'm not just saying that because we're being recorded and it's going to be you know, sent down and broadcast. No, but it's a very big topic. And on the scope of, you know, the, the we try to keep this sheer... On the shortest night, the longest sign. Anyway, you know, to to be able to arrive at a conclusive sack halacha is not our place. Anyway, a and b. It's not like people are calling us up and asking us what the halacha is, what they should be doing. So, in other, when people deal with this, when when governments deal with these shadlers, they're not all necessarily always trying to conform to halacha. So, with those two disclaimers, sometimes yes, sometimes no. There are situations where we'll, we'll, we'll get into that momentarily, where shadlers were asked in the past. Um, but but again, it's more to explore the sugya. That what we're doing right this morning. Our objective is to get a feel for the issues, a feel for the for the sugya, feel for the um, you know the the uh, the Talmudics, what what it looks like in halacha, how the Torah views this, how the Torah views this. So the starting point for the sugya of of hostages releasing captives is a mishnah with a gemara with the Taisus and Maseches Gittin. And of course, hafachba, the hafachba, the kulaba, everything is ultimately there in the Torah. Anything that can ever come up in any situation in life, you're going to find a Gemara bed, you can find a Brahis, you can find a Sif and Shulchan Aruch, you can find discussion somewhere. There's nothing that's not addressed somewhere that's not covered in some aspect of halacha. And the, the sugi is no different. And it begins with this mission. The mission says, you, you may not, says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than their value, more than their worth. In order to keep the world functioning properly. So you can't redeem captives for more than their value. What's the value of a captive? Body that's a cle- What? Body for body. Body for body, okay. That's Arthur's suggestion. I don't know. Maybe body for 10 bodies, maybe 20 bodies, maybe half a body. It's not, not you know, not clear. The mission is not telling us what the value is. Clearly the value will be set and kept by some kind of, some kind of convention, some type of, some type of uh, agreement, but the, what? Eirich, yeah. Well, Eirich, you mean in Eirchen? No, so so demeyan means 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 um the market value. That's what it means. It means whatever is understood as 
reasonable. Reasonable, there's reasonable and unreasonable. So the Mishnah says you can't redeem someone for an unreasonable, unreasonable amount. If it's unreasonable, yet you can't do it. Because of Tikkun Oilam. What's the Tikkun Oilam? What's the, what's, the, um, what, what's the world order that we're trying to maintain over here? And what would be out of order with the world if we wouldn't, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, um, if we wouldn't have, have um, implemented this? What's the Tikkun Oilam exactly? So the Gemara has two different thoughts on this. What's the Tikkun Oilam? What are we trying to solve? By instituting this rule that we cap, we cap the price of redeeming captives at something that's reasonable market value, but we can't, you can't pay anything more than that. Why is that? So Gemara first says, "Mishum It's to not unnecessarily burden the community. If 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 uh, you know they're going to demand a ransom of three billion dollars for every Jew they capture, you're always going to be raising three billion dollars, so no one's going to be able to afford that. We're going to go around from shtibel to shtibel trying to raise inordinate amounts of money, so you can't you can't put the, the community into such a difficult place, so that's the first reason we don't do this. Uh, the first suggestion, I don't know, but the Gemara says maybe for, for a different reason. Maybe the reason why Chazal made this takon, and this is an Isser Durabani, you're not allowed to, you, you, this becomes an Isser, this is a halach, the Mishnah is passing, you can't, you may not redeem captives more than their market value. Says the, that says the Gemara, perhaps the reason is a different reason. Maybe Chazal's rationale is we don't want to encourage them to do it more. If they see that we'll do anything, we'll pay you whatever you want, we'll release. A thousand terrorists for one soldier. If they see that we're willing to do that, we're going to encourage them to do that a lot more. That's the Gemara's second approach. What? Yes, 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 yes. The next, the next mission. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, so the Gemara has two possibilities. Which one is it? Which one is it? What's the reason Chazal made this this halacha? So it says the Gemara. The Gemara wants to bring proof from a situation where, unfortunately. Levi, we know Levi was one of the Amoyim. The Gemara had to go redeem his daughter, and he spent an inordinate amount of money. And um, the Gemara is not sure if it was he did a sanction or was unsanctioned. Did Levi do the right thing? Did Levi do the wrong thing? And, and the Gemara just arrives at a two dots. The Gemara, for all practical purposes, seems to leave the question unresolved. So another, so again, just to review what we have so far, the Mishnah says you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than they're worth. There's two possibilities in the Gemara as to what the reason behind that is, what was the rationale, why did Chazal do that, either not to impose to, a difficulty on the Tzibur to raise the funds, um, or to not encourage um, the, our enemies to do, it, to, 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 to do it more, to not incentivize it, and the Gemara does not resolve these two, these two issues. Obviously, one, what would be one immediate nafkamina is what if they don't want money? What if they're not interested in money? What if they're interested in, 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 in terrorists, right? That's not imposing any difficulty on the tzibor. The tzibor doesn't have to raise the terrorists. So you just, you know, oh, oh so that's a different, good, good. We're going to get there. That's a different question, a different question. Um, but that's not ducha the tzibor. The Gemara says, may just ducha the tzibor. You can't do because it's going to be too much of an imposition. Um, if we're talking about releasing, as Arthur said, bodies for bodies, live bodies, for live bodies, live bodies, Rachman Aslan for, for, for dead bodies. The, the, the first, Gemara's first approach wouldn't seem to be so applicable, but the second one certainly would. Uh, the second reason why not to do it would be not to incentivize. So Gemara leaves it hanging. It, but this is an area where we find that the Rishonim and Halacha, the Rishonim do seem to go with the second reason. The, what's brought down when the Rambam paskins this, the Rambam does paskins this Gemara, the Rambam says you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than their value. 
the Shulchan Aruch brings it down as well. And when they quote it in Halacha, they give the Gemara's second reasoning. Says Shulchan Aruch, he's quoting a Rambam essentially, You can't redeem captives for more than their value. To keep the world order maintained. So our enemies shouldn't be encouraged to do it repeatedly. So if they know they're not going to not, not get more than one body for this body, they're not going to get more than, what's the ransom, $10,000, you know, to, to go and stage this whole plan, risk their, risk their necks and, 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 and put, their, put it out there just for, you know, whatever the market value for a captive is, it's not, not going to be incentivized. But if they see that we're willing to pay whatever they want, willing to do whatever they want, willing to, to, to give a very, very disproportionate, make a grossly disproportionate deal, it's going to encourage them to do it further. So the, the, the Shulchan Aruch and the Rambam, bring down the second reasoning of the Gemara. So it would seem that that's the one we go with in Halacha. Um, it's, it's not an issue of, of making things too difficult for the Tzibur, it's an issue of not encouraging our enemies to do it further. So the question is then, how, how, does this, how can this make it beyond Shulchan Aruch? How can there be any talk of any prison exchange any time in Halacha if Shulchan Aruch seems to spell it out pretty quick, clearly that never give them more than... than um, what is just like a fair value, fair market value? You can give something reasonable. You can never do something unreasonable. You can never give something unreasonable um, because Chazal made an iser in the Mishnah because we don't want to encourage them. How could this discussion ever go past that? Generally, when we have to negotiate with these terrorist organizations, it's always unreasonable. They always want they set the bar at something that's that, that's that's crazy, that's unreasonable. Thousand gilat shalit. There's a thousand, a thousand, a thousand terrorists were released from jail, from Israeli jails, to, for Gilad Shalit, one of whom was the architect and the mastermind behind the October 7th massacres, right? That was one of the ones that came out that was released for Gilad Shalit. So okay. we'll get there also. Like Rabbi Yossi raised a different issue, which we'll get to. But uh, they, 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 they come to the table with unreasonable requests. How could this ever get off the ground? So the truth is like this. There is... Atosis over here, in um, in 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 this Gemara and Gittin, Atosis, which deals with this Gemara, and and Tysis asks a, a contradiction between two different Gemaras. Tysis says this Gemara is saying you can't do it. There's no there's no way around it. No way to, no no way there's no way past go over here. You can't redeem captives for more than their value. Um, Tysis says it seems to be at odds with another Gemara that says. That the first time someone's captured, you can give a lot of money. So it says Tysus, how do we put these two gemaras together? So um, Tysus has essentially seems three different approaches to this, and each of his, his three approaches would create a whole different vista in halacha. Tysus in one place says, and two places he says one approach that what that the the, the person that the gemara is referring to that they paid a lot of money for was referring to someone who is. The Gadol Ador, someone who's Muflik B'Chachma, a huge Tavad Chacham, someone that the community needs. So says Taisus, Taisus is, 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 offers and suggests that maybe there could be an exception to this Mishnah, um, and there could be a place in the time where we will give a disproportionate ransom, and perhaps that is talking about a case where it's someone that Klai still needs. A Gadol Ador, a, a, a huge Tavad Chacham, someone that, that we can't really be without. What? Yeah, so so Tikkunah, but since Klai Yisrael needs this person, Taisus understands that that their Chazal built an exception in the Tikkunah is a Takanos Chachamim. So Taisus suggests 
that they built in a loophole. Yes, for Tikkun Olam, you can't do it. Yes, make a day the mayhem, with the exception of a time of that we, we can't, we're not going to deprive Kleist from the God door because of our Takon of Tikkun Olam. Correct, correct. But Taisa says, but we, we again, Taisa is putting two Gemaras together. So the way Taisa understanding in this Teretz, in the first Teretz, is that Hey Mamru, Hey Mamru. So Chazal made an exception. Chazal made it, but before this mission, there was no rule Tikkun Oilam altogether. It's not a Daraisa, right? Chazal made a Takon, so it's not a good thing. So Chazal said it's not a good thing, but they had to leave the door open for the G'dayle Ador. We can't lose the G'dayle Ador. So they said, for the G'dayle Ador, we'll make an exception. Chazal, according to Taisa in this first Teretz, made an exception. That yes, even though here there still is a risk, but we can't make a we can't make a blanket universal takana. We had to leave. We made it with an exception. Again, you're right. Tosis is not saying that when it comes to the gzayil Ador, the reasoning, the rationale doesn't apply anymore. It certainly does. But they left that. They made a clause. They left that open. So not not make a takana at the expense of us losing our gzayilim. That's Tosis' first approach. So they, they made a yetsim nakla. There's a clause. They made a yetsim nakla. Um, Taisa's second approach is um, an interesting approach. Taisa says another, perhaps, and each of the you can't hold of all of the exceptions because only we have a Mishnah and a Gemara that says the Chazal made a rule: you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than their value. You can't do it. So that's an Isser. You, you can't do it, and, and because of the reasoning that you're going to encourage them. There's another Gemara that has a situation where someone did do it. You have to justify that, but once we have one reasoning that justifies, as I'm speaking at the Talmudics, that's it. We satisfied it. We're, then we're back to the to the to the rule. In other words, there's a rule, and there's one exception to the rule. Taisa is going to have three different understandings of why that was an exception, but only one of the three we can hold of in halacha, if 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 that right, because because once you have satisfied that case, so we satisfied, we explained away the exception, and then we're back to the rule. There can only be one exception to the rule. There aren't three exceptions. There's only one gemara. That's the, the basic in terms of the Talmudics over here. So Taisa's first approach is that he was someone who was a, a, a gar tamachacham, and that's why they were allowed to do it. Taisa gives a second approach, which is that that Gemara is talking about during the Churban Bayis, the Churban Beis HaMikdash. says, Taisa, the Churban Beis HaMikdash, he says that during the Churban Beis HaMikdash, and it's a time, that Gemara where they spent an inordinate amount of money, they, they did give a disproportionate amount for his ransom, was talking about during the Churban Beis HaMikdash, the Churban Bayis during the time of the Temple Destruction. So it's says the reasoning of, of our enemies, uh, of, of not encouraging our enemies, does not is not applicable anymore um, it, when it comes to the when it comes to the um, <coughs> it's time when we're living in Churban. What does Taisa mean? L'chair, what Taisa means is that the Churban based on Mikdash, Klaisro became, we lost our autonomy, we we lost our independence, we became a slave caste, we became we were all we were all captives. We're all captives. So what do you mean, Deloy Ligravi? We don't want the gun to come capture us. We're, we're all marching off to Bubble now. Right? We're all marching off to, uh, to, to, um, to Rome. We're all being exiled. We're all sent into exile. There's no Deloy Ligravi because Klyasrol is in a state of Hurban. So, so that, that would be, to tell you the second approach, to cer- certainly, you know, even though Eretzol nowadays is surrounded by enemies who will do anything to get a captive, to say that that's the situation now is Baruch Hashem, Toyda Lokel, that certainly, you know, there, there is a Medina, there is uh, a degree of autonomy over there, right? Um, as long as, as long as uh, getting along with the uh, United States of America, right? As long as uh, we're, 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 we're maneuvering things properly over there. We have a degree of autonomy. Kleist has a degree of autonomy over there. So certainly to say that it's a state of Corbin, that everyone is in a state of captivity, 
that the Tzai's second reasoning wouldn't seem to apply. But that's Tzai's second reasoning, that the reason why they were able to spend a lot of money is because there's no delay liquidity. No, encourage people to do it more, where everyone, the Gantz Klaistral is being marched off to, 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 to Golis. Tzai's is a third answer, later on in the Sechta, where, where the second Gemara appears. Tzai's says, a third exception, a third approach as to where, where would, again, we're looking for an exception. Where would we find? There is one exception to this rule that you can't pay more then the, the value can't give it an unreasonable amount to redeem captives. Tzai's third approach to what would be, there has to be an exception to that. The third approach to the exception is if it, it's a state of sakonis nefashis, if their life is in danger. <clears throat> what? That's what you say. That's a, yeah, that's what you say. Listen, you, you ever... So, so you're, you're, maybe you're associating captive with war, but there's people that, that they do kidnappings for ransom, right? And they just want money. Is one the Gemara is talking about pidgin shvuyim. Pidgin shvuyim doesn't have to mean, you know. That there's a chashash that if I don't redeem them, they're, they're, that's it. Yeah. They're, they're dead. No, but then he's yes. right. Any any captive, it's a sofik to kuch nefesh for sure. We give it. We give it. They're not going to get the money. They might kill the person. No, let to have go. Oh, we're let's give a story right now. I was going to say the story later, but the famous is Marami Rottenberg. Sure, he said not to. Right, but they killed him. No, he just he spent the rest of his life in jail. <coughs> pigeon Shvuyim, where I say I'm holding this person in, 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 the, in the county jail, right, in the town jail, in the Ruttenberg jail, and, you know, if you're willing to pay whatever they wanted, him, ducats or rubles or whatever it was, we'll release him. They wanted a very reasonable amount of money. Myram refused to, uh, to go along with it. He didn't let any of his, his um, uh, kahila go along with it. And he spent the rest of his life in jail. He died in jail, and his body stayed in jail for 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 almost two decades. Right? They didn't get the body out of jail. Um, so there was no sakonis nefashis over there. So I, look, I, it could be that may be the minority of the case, but that's not that doesn't concern us. The point is, Taisa says that the, the point is there, there are situations where there's no sakana. The Myram situation where there was, it was, was where there was no sakana, and Taisa says if there is a sakana. Then, then that's another exception. If a yid's life's in danger, then I'm allowed to spend whatever I want, even if it's unreasonable, to to um, to spare him from danger. If it's a sakana. Now, unfortunately, the situations with that that they deal with nowadays, they're solved. It's it's of course it's always sakana. It's always gonna be sakana, right? They have no dealing with people that have no value for human life, dealing with people that are not afraid to uh, to lose these, um, you know, to uh, they're using the captain themselves as human shields. So that's certainly the situation in the modern day um, negotiations. But so so, maybe the other one is bothered by this. If that's if that's so commonplace, it's so shchiach that there will be sakana to say that that's the exception. If the rule is in the minority of the time, so that's like this pigeon shvuyim. That this rule, this takana, this big takana is not such a takana anymore. If it's only applicable when there's no sakana, no, no. I, I hear. I don't know. You have to ask that question to Taisus. But al kopanim, this is what Taisus is suggesting. This third understanding of when you would have an exception. Um, when you would be allowed to make a, a crazy swap, <clears throat> a crazy exchange, so a very unreasonable, an unreasonable price for a captive is if their life is endangered. That's the third approach. Yes. Can halacha change based upon previous events? Like you said, this guy was the architect behind October 7th. Maybe because previously they let somebody go, and as a result this happened, maybe it's not a good idea to let this guy go. Yeah, so we're going to get there again. Yes, yeah, so that was Rabiossi's question. That, that al Sakana. Sakana, we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah, it's like Samoyed. Yeah, it's a mitzvah. It's negative, then, no? It's not positive. Uh, oh, is it a, is it a positive? Yeah, it's. Um, is um, it uh, say, there is a mitzvah. Yeah, there's a mitzvah also. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is, yeah. 
Um, okay, so so here are the stages set over here a little bit. So we have, let, let's review what we have so far. We have a halacha um, that you cannot um, release a captive if they want an unreasonable amount for him, whatever the unreasonable means beyond the market, unreasonable in terms of money, unreasonable in terms of, of, of exchanges, prisoners that are being exchanged. Um, the reason why that makes it into halacha is because we can't we can't encourage our enemies to do this more. We can't incentivize them. Mm-hmm. And we, we see that there must be one exception to this. And Taisa has three different understandings what the exception would be. Either the exception is you are allowed to do this for a big tamachacham, a gadol ador, the klai shonis. Chazal didn't take that away from us. Or you are allowed to do this um, when their life is in danger. Or you are allowed to do this one anyway. You won't have to worry about incentivizing because we're all in the state of gullus. I don't want to shift sideways for a moment. You know, as, as Rabbi Yossi just asked, the pigeon shleem in general, in general, there's a tremendous mitzvah to release Kleisra from captivity, to, to give the reasonable amount, you know, the reasonable, come up with whatever it is that they do want. Um, if it's reasonable, if it's reasonable, there's a tremendous mitzvah to do pigeon shleem, to release someone from captivity. Tremendous mitzvah. Um, and that is a, a real thing to be aware of. Um, and, um, okay, I was going to share a story with Rabbi Yossi, but... The, the timing might, might, might not be right. So someone remind me later. I'll share a story with Yaakov Kamenetsky. Um, so remind me, otherwise I'm going to forget. Um, okay, so let, let, let's, so now. Lahalacha, Rabbi say, Lahalacha, which of these three, we have to go with something, right? We have to go with something. So what do we go with here in, in Halacha? Which one of these three exceptions? Meaning, for us, it makes a tremendous difference. Uh, do, we have the, the, do we have the right to redeem our brothers and sisters for a crazy unreasonable amount if, if, if their life is in danger. According to one approach, I'll tell you, we could do that. We have the right to le- release a huge tamachacham for an unreasonable amount. So everyone knows, let's get back to the Maram Rotenberg. Everybody knows the Maram refused. Maram said, I, I refuse, even though he was aware of this Taisus. Maram was from the Balai Taisus. He's certainly aware of this approach. Maram refused. And he was a Gadol Ador. Gans Kalai Yisrael was, was, uh, was um, you know, dependent upon him. He refused. He, Maram himself was not. Didn't go with this answer. Maram said, "No, we can't. We can't encourage people to do it." Maram was not saying on this answer halacha. And very interestingly, when you when we look in halacha, we find that actually none of the answers make into Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch doesn't make any exceptions. Shulchan Aruch doesn't say you're not allowed to release captives for an unreasonable amount unless he's a big time halacha. Unless his life is in danger, even the life in danger part, Shulchan Aruch doesn't put that in there. It seems from what we call the Stimas Advarm, from the unambiguity of, of the Shulchan Aruch over here, that he just says, you can't do it. It seems there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't do it. I What about the, the, the Taisa's point that there has to be an exception? It would seem that Shulchan Aruch would understand that exception was with the, the, the other approach of Taisa's that it was talking about a time of Khurban in general, but when these halachas are for when Klaus was not in a state of Khurban, we're not all marching off Rachmel Aslan to or to Adoim. So there's no exceptions. There's a Pischei Tshuva. That brings down, it doesn't stop with Shulchan Aruch, but it seems the Shulchan Aruch's opinion seems to be quite clear that we don't make exceptions to this. The Pischei Tshuva over here does bring down, um, so he does bring down a um, Prima Godim who brings down Shai uh, Yeshua, who does say we do go with the Sakonis Nefashis. We do go with that exception. That, that if it's a Pikuach Nefesh, if it is Pikuach Nefesh, we will. Um, make an unreasonable, un- disproportionate swap, exchange, payoff to get someone out of danger. He does bring down to someone who says that we do go that halacha, la halacha. Pischei Tshuva vehemently disagrees. He says it's not true. We don't go with this in halacha. The Shulchan Aruch is correct. We don't make this exception. And the MS is, so Rabbi Yossi, I think, was really going here earlier. The Pischei Tshuva wants to argue 
that Taisus's different answers actually line up with the different answers in the Gemara. The Gemara, the different explanations of the Gemara. Remember, the Gemara gave us two different approaches as to why Chazal made this halacha. Why did Chazal make this institution of Tikkun Oilam? Why did Chazal go ahead and say that um, that um, you can't really, you can't, you can't um, negotiate, you can't redeem hostages for more than they're worth. Gemara said it's one of two reasons, either because uh, imposition on the tzibur, making things difficult for the tzibur, or it's because we're going to incentivize them, we're going to encourage them to do it more. So Taisus has says that there's got to be an exception. One exception Taisus makes for a big tabachacham. Another exception Taisus makes is if there's um, sakana, if it's sakana. Says, says the, um, says the, um, um, this idea that Taisus is willing to make exception if it's Sakana, if that person's in danger, that only makes sense with the Gemara's first approach. Taisus was clearly going with the Gemara's first approach that the whole reason you can't do it is just not to make things difficult for the Tibur. But if you go with the Gemara's second approach, that we can't incentivize and encourage our enemies to do it more, so why? I'm taking this person out because his life is in danger. They're going to take another 500 people and put 500 people's more lives in danger. So it's, it's a never-ending cycle of putting people in danger. So he, he, that's one of his arguments as to why we, we don't go with in halacha. Because since in halacha, we do go with the other approach of um, the, the reason we don't do this is because we can't encourage our enemies to do it more. So that it goes without saying then, that even if their life is in danger, we, we apologize. I'm, I'm sorry, we can't redeem you because by redeeming you, we're going to be putting many, many other Yidin's lives in danger, potentially. So the Pisgah Tshuva very firmly believes that we don't go with this. And he brings down a list of other opinions who are on his side that we don't go with the arguments of Sakas Nefajas. But there are opinions brought down the Pesachet Shuvah that believe that if the person's life is in danger, then we do have the right to make a disproportionate, unreasonable negotiation. What would we do in Halach? Again, that's not that's beyond the scope of this morning's shir. We're not paskening halachas, but we're going through the sogia, and we are pointing out that the the, the approach does exist in the Torah. So there is precedent for this idea that if someone's life is in danger, I could do a disproportionate negotiation. There is an opinion that says we go with this in halacha, that Taisus. The Pisgah Shuva does not go with it. The Pisgah Shuva and, and Shulchan Aruch also seems to not go with it. Another question is raised, and this is the one that was raised in the beginning of this year. Everything that we've been saying till now is all about making negotiations that are unreasonable, a, a lot more money than he's worth with Shuva, one they wanted for the Maharam, um, a lot more bodies, a thousand bodies for one body. Okay, but how can we entertain negotiating for captives when... <clears throat> by by releasing those captives, we are putting Kleisol in danger. How can we release terrorists? How do we have the rights? Until now, we've been talking about paying 15 million ducats, 10 million, 100 million rubles, uh, 1.6 billion dollars. Whether we do that, we don't do that, are we encouraging, we are encouraging them, can we do it anyway? But what about a different question, which is, do we have the right to put terrorists back on the streets if that is going to be putting Kleist on the state of danger. Do we have the right to negotiate um, the release of hostages, the release of, of, of our captives in order to, um, in order, at, at, at the price of, of, of putting Reitzchim, murderers down on the street. And again, we see Einenu Rayais, the mastermind behind the October massacres was, whatever the guy's name was, Yahwa or something like that. What? He's Yeah. Um, he was part of the, the part of the Gilad Shalit uh, deal. So, do we have the right to endanger Klai Yisrael? So even after this whole sugya has been discussed and explored, can we put Klai Yisrael Sakana to release captives? So, this is a little bit thorny, and let's just speak at the basics over here. Um, speak at the basics over here. 
Um, so first of all, do we ever have the right to exchange, to, to save a life at the expense of another life? Can we do that if it's a life for life? No, certainly not. You can't. Um, there's difficult shilas that have been passed in the past that, uh, you know, by the, um, back in, the, in, 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 in Russia, this happened in the, in the camps also, the Cantonist era and in, in the camps, if I can save someone from the chambers, I can save someone from being conscripted at age seven to the Russian army, but they can take somebody else. This prison has already been conscripted, so I can I free him, but they're going to take somebody else. In the, in the, the sack that, that, that is given in such a situation, no, you can't, unfortunately, because if by saving one person, you're, you're certainly, you're certainly sacrificing another year to take his place, you can't do pikuach nefesh at, at the expense of shvichas of, davim. Um, of, of, of so that you cannot do. That would seem to put us in a very difficult bind over here in terms of negotiating for the release of, of, of um, you know, the, the captives for the shvuyim at the, at, at, at the cost and the price of releasing reitzchem, terrorists. So... Wouldn't money be the same thing? Why, why would money be the same thing? Because, because you're funding the intifada? You're funding, you're more or less you're funding. The, you're what do you mean? The they're using it for hospitals, they're using it for... Okay. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. Medical equipment. Yeah. But wouldn't, wouldn't money... All that concrete, what do you think? That concrete's not going to make uh, like, like uh, parks and, and... Okay, yeah. zoos. I got you. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, it wouldn't be. It's not much the same thing because it's not. It's not. Um, um, yeah. Stan's asking a question. Would 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 you know money which can be used to fund? Same thing. Re, re, um, it's not much the same thing because. Um, another step removed. Yeah. Exactly. It's another step removed. It's not. It's not. It's not sending a murderer out to the streets. It's not. Not yeah, sending someone out. I'm just waiting. Okay, good, go, oh, very good. Yeah, good. So, 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 so let's, that's why, yes, I want, to, I want to keep the discussion moving because we're going to be actually catching up to all this. So let's, I think some of the questions may be answered up on their own. So this Shiloh was actually presented to Revavaj Yosef. So Revavaj Yosef has a tshuva. And he gives, gives two answers. Gives two answers as to why actually it's mutter to release terrorists, to swap, swap terrorists for, for, for hostages. Gives two answers. We'll see, and this this was a it goes back to um, the seventies. I think this tshuva. I think that maybe this they asked him this during um, Antebi. I, I think the shayva was asked by the Antebi um, in those uh, whatever many forty eight hours, seventy two hours before they they um, they hatched that plan, with, which had amazing siat deshmai that they were able to save everybody. But they were going back and forth, you know, in the Knesset, what to do about it. Um, they were considering negotiating for the release of the hostages in Antebi. So I think that's where the Shiloh was asked to Rav Avadja, and he gave two answers as to why it would be permitted to release terrorists on behalf of, no, I don't think it was Antebi. Well, was, uh, yeah, I don't think it was Antebi, but, but it, was, it, was, it, was, it was the same type of setup, though. And he said, like, he gave two answers. He said, so first of all, he said, in negotiating... To, to get soldiers back that were captured during wartime or, or, or any time on the soldiers that are patrolling, we have to get the soldiers back um, at the expense of releasing terrorists. We have to do that because, said Ravajah, part of sending a soldier out to war is him having that awareness that, that Israel has his back, that they'll do whatever, they, whatever it takes to get it back. And if you don't have that 
written and wired into the system and sending your soldiers out, then the system collapses, the army collapses. The soldier can only go out, he's only going to have the morale, he's only going to have the, the, the backbone to fight if he knows that he's not abandoned by his, by, his, by his country. So that's his first argument, that of course you have to, whatever many takes, you have to do it, and it's not called, you have to make the demand, it's called keeping your army functioning. Now, this reasoning only applies to soldiers, not to civilians. This svara wouldn't, wouldn't apply to civilians, right? If civilians were captured, this, this unfortunately doesn't apply over there. He's giving a svara that, that part of having an army, part of maintaining an army, having an army that can, that, that, can, that can fight with proper morale, is the soldiers knowing that Israel will do whatever they can to get them back. It's the same thing, it's so far from one thing. Listen. No, it's not. The svara is, it's part of having an army. So this first svara does not apply to civilians. It doesn't. The lamb doesn't apply to civilians. But he gives a second svara that applies universally. His second svara is... I think this, this, this was also raised by the Olam just a few minutes ago. He says, yes, you, you certainly cannot trade a life for a life. You can't, because for Pikuach, if you save this yet, I can't say, okay, give me this one, I'll give you that one. Give me the one that's intelligent, I'll give you the one that has like, a little on the slower side, right? Give me, right? You can't do that. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that, right? My chazis, my chazis, right? However, this situation, releasing terrorists, is not trading a life for a life because the whole thing is fraught with fake. It's a big svek svek sveka. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to what's going to be with them. We don't know. Not, not that anyone thinks that they're going to reform their ways. Not that anyone thinks that they're going to come out and suddenly, you know, dedicate the rest of their lives to promoting. Um, um, Saving the wills. What? Saving the wills. Yeah. That's right. Anything like that, right? No, no one really thinks that. But at the same time, you know, it, there's no guarantee. Show, show me who they're going to kill. Show me who are these people that they're about to kill. We can kill them. And we can kill them too, which they're still, the, 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 I mean, the Medina Israel generally <laughs> tries to do that, right? So exactly, there's so many factors that complicate it that we can kill them, we're going to be on more alert, and, you know, of course, we need Siyat Hashemai always to protect us, as we see, unfortunately. But it's so fraught with so many Sveikas, says Rav Avadja, so that's not called trading a life for a life. It's not. It's not called trading a life for a life. It's called, it's called uh, saving a life. It's called saving a life. Now, again, we're, we're sidestepping the first half, which is when can you do, when can you not do, with place and everything, we explored that, but, but assuming that we will be negotiating, are we allowed to put Klai in danger, so you can't trade a life for a life, or Ravadja says, this is not called trading a life for a life, be, um, because there's so many different factors that are complicated, it's like, show me who these people are going to kill exactly, show me whose lives are getting, uh, are, 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 who, show me who I'm killing by releasing these terrorists, since we can't answer that question, it's one big suffix, a lot, a lot of sveikas, so the, the vadai, the certainty of saving this person's life, outweighs all the different svekas of, 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 of uh, what may or may not happen when you release terrorists. Even though, uh, certainly we look now backwards, I'm afraid we see that one of those terrorists that was released for Gilad Shalit was the person that was responsible for the, the October 7th massacres. But again, it doesn't mean that Ravaja was wrong. It just means that, again, it's, anything can happen, but at the moment in time, there were, there were too many sveikas that were gathered together to make it problematic. <laughs> I, there's another... With the one for a thousand? What? How about the one for a thousand? So I said, we're, we're sidestepping that. That's what I said. That, that's the two different discussions. So I, we, we discussed that, and we're not passing on that, but assuming you would get past that hurdle, assuming you would get past that hurdle, so the Ravaj is, is, is dealing with now... Um, putting murderers on the street. So again, I, yeah, I do want to be very clear about that in case I wasn't clear enough. There's two different discussions over here. One is, are you allowed to do a disproportionate deal? 
an unreasonable deal. And the other is, are you allowed to put murderers on the street? But they're two different sugyas. And assuming what I just said now from Avajah is, if you made it past that first hurdle, which I didn't say you did, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't, you'd have to know if you made it past that first hurdle, okay? We went through the sugya of the hurdle, but we didn't pass it on it. Klar, if you make it past that hurdle, what, what's the issue with putting murders on the street? Says Rav Avajah. There is, we'll wrap up with this, there is, there is a, um, a, 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 Dayanim Cheshuvim in Yerushalayim, who has a tshuva where he deals with a different issue, very fascinating tshuva. He wants to know how is it normally, Rabbi say, are you allowed to um, risk your life to save someone else's life? Normally you're not. You don't risk your life to save someone else's life. Uh, you have to save someone else's life. It's a chi of gomer to save another kid's life. But but if you're putting your own life at in mortal peril, then. You have the right to not risk your life. Maybe you're allowed to risk your life, same one's life, but certainly you're not doing the wrong thing by not risking your life. Jumping onto a grenade. That's ending your life to save someone else's life. Yeah. Not allowed to? Um, no, not. not it could risk? be you're allowed to, but you're definitely not chive to. So if someone is, uh, if someone, someone is stuck on top of uh, Mount Everest without any oxygen, right, and it's in the middle of a snowstorm, and the only way to get up there is by sending a, a climbing expedition to try to save him. And there's blizzards and, 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 and avalanches going on. The only way to save them is risking our life. So certainly the halacha is you're not chayef to risk your life to save someone else's life. So he asks, how does that change in wartime? You see that's, that's completely different. In, in wartime, a soldier it runs out to sit, to, 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 uh, he's obligated, obligated to put his life on the line, save as many soldiers <coughs> as possible. He's obligated to. So Reblazer Waldenberg wants to know, what gives him the right? How, how, how exactly can he go ahead and do that? put his life on the line to save other soldiers. So this is a, a, a tshuva he has on this. He's he, he, passing on a lot of shilas that had to do with the the, uh, the army. He was um, um, very, very chosh of a dying. He was involved with Rabbanut. Also, it's, it's Eliezer. That's now you said with Blazer Waldenberg, but he's more he's known more um, famously as the, the Svarim that he wrote, which is the Tzitz Eliezer. That's the Tzitz Eliezer. So he, he says like this. He has two Svars as to why it's mutter. He brings two sources. He first brings, interestingly, a Gemara in Shavuos. The Gemara in Shavuos says that the government, the ruler, the king, is allowed to kill one-sixth of the population. You can send one-sixth of your population to their deaths. Now, what's that supposed to mean? Sarashi so says what it means is you can have them work for the government. You can, uh, you can have one-sixth of the people working in government jobs. According to Rashi, the, the, has the Gemara referred to people working for the government by, by death. Death. That's, that's Rashi's take on the Gemara. You can have one-sixth of the people conscripted to work for the government. Um, Taisa says, no, you take the Gemara literally. And it means that, that, that we're talking about wartime. And, and, and the Gemara is telling us that a king can send, can, can, can send one-sixth of the population out to their deaths, which means the Mepharsh and the Marshall explains Taisa. The Taisa is saying, the Gemara is just telling us that, that, that even though going out to war involves putting your life on the line, involves a risk, involves... Um, Sakonis uh, Nefashis. We would ask, Mechatesi, how can how can we ever go to war? And there's something called a Mechamis Rishos, right? There's a Mechamis Mitzvah that you have to fight to conquer Eretz Yisrael or for self defense, good. But there's something called a Mechamis Rishos where you just want to expand the territory of Eretz Yisrael. Why? They have oil fields, they have iron ore over there, they have good fishing sites, right? We can get good tuna fish over there if you go north. So the Klaiso, we want more, 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 more coastline territory uh, for for tourists, for the tourist agencies, for the for tourist industry. So we're allowed to go to war to get more coastline. We're allowed to go to war for the tuna fisheries. We're allowed to go to war 
to get to oil refineries. And you're allowed to send Yidin to war, they're risking their lives. What gives us the right to do this? So this is this Gemara. According to Jesus, this Gemara is saying that war is part of the functioning of any country. And one-sixth of the population is going to go to war. You're, you're, you're having one-sixth of people risk their lives. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. Uh, the king is allowed to do that? The ruler, the, whoever's in charge of, the, of, of, of making these decisions is allowed to do it. You're allowed to do it. Um, so he brings a proof in this Gemara that you see that, 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 that um, there's something called the rules of war. The rules of war are different than the rules of peace. Something called the rules of peace, and that's Shulchan Aruch and the Naisei Kalim and, and Halachas is how to deal with times when we're at peace, and there's called being at war, and there's rules of war, and some of the rules of war are <clears throat> how to successfully wage a war. And says Reb Lazer Waldenberg, says that Tzitzel Lazer based on this Gemara, this is why a soldier at wartime has to do whatever he can to save his fellow soldiers, even to bring back the body of a soldier. He risks his life for that. To bring back his body, because that's how you go to war. That's how everybody goes to war. This is the rules of combat. So being that part of having a country is going to war, having combat, so we follow the there's standard, conventional, it's, it's always, I always think that's like such an oxymoron, right? But there's, uh, you know, they have um, the ICC, the ICC that uh, that tries people for war crimes. So you know it's such an ironic thing, but it's a real thing. It's the thing is, you know, war crimes means that what? There's things that you could do in war, and things you can't do in war. There's ways that you're allowed to kill people. There's ways you're not allowed to kill people. The weapons you're allowed to use, weapons you're not allowed to use. So if you think about it, like my understanding is crazy. How could any civilized person say like, you know, there's rules of war? How could there be rules of war? There's rules of how to kill people and how not to kill people. That's what it means, right? There's conventional weapons and non-conventional weapons. But it's a real thing. It is a real thing. There's something called going to war. That's part of life. And there's 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 rules of war. And even though these people could be risking their lives, but that's from the rules of war. And this Gemara is sanctioning that. This Gemara is saying that sometimes Klaisos goes to war, and sometimes we're only going to war for Melchemes Rishus, because we want the tuna fish over there, right? There's better tuna, uh, tuna fields over there, tuna farms. There's, 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 they have, uh, you know, we want, the, the, we want there with, the, with the, all the coastline property over there, the coastal property. You're allowed to do that, even though you're risking Yiddish lives. And when you do that, you, you follow the rules of war. So this is his first argument as to what makes mutter for the soldiers to risk their lives, to save lives, risk their lives, to bring back corpses. And he says, and if not for that, you can't go to war altogether. How can Islam go to war to, to, to um, expand the territory of our soul? What gave us the right to, to put Jewish lives on the line? So it all comes down to this Gemara. He says a second svara also, um, which really goes hand in hand with the first svara. He brings that, he cites a Nitziv, and Nitziv says that... Um, a similar idea says there's ace milcham of ace shalom says and it's based on the pasuk and ecclesiastes and kaihelas that there's a time of war and a time of peace and in the time of war the, the rules change in the time of war we we the, the, the shulchan aruch that we follow when it's not a time of war is 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 um, not applicable when we're at war and the cheshbonis have to be differently the cheshbonis have to be made um, more globally. Uh, on, on, on a national level. So it says it's Eliezer, it's clear, there's not a problem over here. He says he's based on these two sources, the Gemara and the Nitziv. Okay, so that's about soldiers risking their lives, and that's about soldiers going um, uh, to save other lives and, and to bring back the bodies of their fallen comrades. There, there, I saw a contemporary Paiskim that want to use this Tzitz Eliezer um, as an argument as to why you're also allowed to make a disproportionate, unreasonable prisoner swap and prisoner exchange, and they want to say like this, they want to say that, look, based on this Gemara, based on this Tesis, based on this Tzitz Eliezer, 
you see that when you're running a country, the government, they're running a country, you make decisions in, in terms of the, how the government does things are different than how a yachid does things. A yachid does things, you have to go with Shulchan Aruch. A government, when you're going to war, when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're fighting a war, the rules of combat are different because the government has to do things differently than, than, than the yachid. They have to take the functioning of the country into account. They have to take the welfare of the country into account. They have to take a lot of things into account. And, and therefore, the government is, 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 is in a different area of halacha than, than, than what we have over here in Yeridea. This is talking about a yachid. It's not talking about the government. The halacha that you can't free captives for more than they're worth for a disproportionate amount, unreasonable, a thousand terrorists for one soldier, for, for one captive, one civilian, that's for Yechidim. But the government, the government is different. So they want to make this comparison, contemporary Paiskim. And Lanias Daiti, I think it's a very difficult, Sushtel, as we would say, comparison to make, because the Tzitz Eliezer is not saying that based on this, based on this Taisus, based on this Gemara, the government can do whatever they want. It's a Hefker, it's a Hefker, a Hefkerville. For 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 for, uh, for the government that the, the government can the governments are, are not subject to shulchan aruch. He's not saying that. He's saying there's something called being at war, and there's something called understood conventional rules of war. And in war, you go with the rules of war, and the country's allowed to go to war. He's not saying that the government suddenly got carte blanche to do whatever they want, and we can trade a thousand for one. If anything, Rabbi say, first of all, a lot of deals happened when it wasn't wartime altogether, like the Gilad Shalit deal. That slept on for years, and that wasn't a, a, a wartime, um, uh, you know, kind of negotiation. That wasn't part of any any, any war. That was the government government dealing with 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 terrorists, right? Um, it had nothing to do with with any wartime operations. So, so that, that to say that that's covered by this Gemara again is a stretch. And Stamazoi, what, what are the rules of combat when it comes to releasing hostages, releasing captives? Generally, the rules of war you don't negotiate. The countries don't do that. Countries, America doesn't trade a thousand um, Somalian terrorists for one soldier. There was an incident that happened in the 80s, I think. Famous incident called the Black Hawk incident. In 92. In 92, that's right, right after the 80s. Happened in 92. What was the name of the soldier? He's kidnapped by the Somalians. And, and um, they wanted to, they wanted a very, they were negotiating the Somalians. One very unreasonable. Someone will Google it now. Crazy, crazy uh, demands that they had, and and the 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 um, the uh, the what's it called? The um, the uh, chief of the staff. The um, the uh, his name. The general. The um, MacArthur. MacArthur. No, not in 1982. Um, what are they, the name for the guys in charge of the army? Secretary of Defense. Whatever. So someone said to the Somalians, he said, "Look, you have two choices. Either give them back." Or we're going to come and nuke you guys. We're going to, so every not a camel is going to be left alive. Some kind of quote like that. You know, forget about your men, women, and children. Your your camels. Not, not, nothing's going to be left standing over here. Like we just we don't we don't deal with you. We don't negotiate. So they, they got it back the next day. They got it back the next day. Was the Somalian uh, Liberation Front? October third, nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Okay, so I was only off by three years. <laughs> Uh, the 80s goes to 89, right? Um, okay, anyway, you were closer than I was, Stan. You were when the price is right, you would have won, right? You were, you were closer. Clinton was president. So, so we can do that now. One second, so one second. So if anything, if anything, you see, what are the rules of war, Rabbi? So what do countries don't do this? Countries refuse to negotiate. Because countries understand what the Gemara said in, in, in Gittin, we, we can't encourage it, we can't incentivize it. We have a no-negotiation policy. So to say that... 
that so we have a toys we have a tzitzel Eliezer who's saying that in wartime things change you go with the rules of combat that a gives the government carte blanche b to make an unreasonable deal that other governments won't do. That's a very, very hard stretch to hear. It's very difficult to say that the Tzitzeliyaz is sanctioning that. Again, he didn't just say government has unlimited powers. He said that in wartime, you go with, with, with war rules. There's something called rules of war. To apply that to the negotiations like this is a very difficult thing to do. So in short, once we make it past the first rules, we had two hurdles over here. Just to summarize, one was, are you like unreasonable deals? That was the Gemara in getting with Shulchan Aruch, with the Taisis. Are there exceptions? Are there not exceptions? That's one hurdle that has to be dealt with. The second one is, can you release hostages, put the murderers back on the street? That was Rav Yosef. We saw two arguments over there. One that only applies to soldiers and one that applies to civilians. And the bottom line is, Rabbi Yisrael, we should see an end to this conflict very soon. Akash Baruch Hu should send all the captives home safely, soundly, swiftly, in good, full, total health. And we should see Mashiach. Amen. Only celebrate Simchas together.